Hello and welcome to the History of India podcast. This is episode 1D, but it's a special episode. We're going to have a conversation. Hi there. So I've got um, my good friend Prakar Manas here. Hi. Hi, Prakar. Um, and Prakar and I have had lots of conversations about caste over the years. And uh, he's coming to tell me what I got wrong in my last podcast. Yeah, well, to be honest, it's a very interesting podcast that you had. And I would say that mostly you got it right. Uh, a few things I would say you didn't got wrong, but you kind of overlooked uh, from my perspective. And uh, one of them is to do with well, the Vernas. So we'll, we'll get to those. I'm going to introduce you properly first. Yeah, yeah go ahead. So Prakar is a PhD, soon to be Dr. Prakar. Um, I'm sure. Hopefully. And uh, um, Bimbisara means flecked with spots or spotty essence or something like that. Ashoka means without sorrow. And Prakar Manas means what? Uh, well, Prakar is a popular name in India. Uh, one of the lesser popular, but anyways. Um, it means uh, sharp-minded. Uh, the, the story behind my surname is a bit more interesting uh, because my parents believe they, they actually reject caste system completely. Uh, though, so they belong to uh, a upper caste, but they decided that they didn't want to uh, want me to inherit, the, inherit the, the caste system at all. And uh, so therefore they gave me a surname Manas, which is actually human in Sanskrit. So in that way, they are rejecting the caste system and saying that, yeah, this person is just a human. So yeah, it's, it's a very interesting uh, story about the belief of my parents uh, more than myself. But I believe that they have kind of uh, inflicted those kind of beliefs in me. And that is much more related to the modern India. And we'll come to that in a bit. Yeah, we'll chat about that in a bit. So Prakar Manas is sharp-minded human. Yes. Which is yes. pretty awesome. So. Uh, sharp-minded human tell me what did I get wrong um, so you you pointed out that for Brahmins it was all right to take uh, jobs that belong to the other Vernas right and that is actually true they could actually take the jobs of Kshatriyas and Vaishyas probably not Shudras or rather would not take the job of Shudras and uh, they could continue with those jobs that's all right uh, but the point is that of the caste system is that the lower caste could not take the, the jobs of the upper caste. So, for example, uh, Vesha would not be able to take the job of the uh, Brahmins. And for Shudras, of course, that is an impossibility. It's kind of an impossibility even to the state, right? You can't take Brahmins' job, okay? You can't be the priest. You can't be the person who is well-versed in the Vedas and teaching people about it. So it's, it's only a one-sided mobility issue. So a Brahmin in need uh, could take the lower caste jobs, but a lower caste person could not take a Brahmin's job. Also, and this is something that I am not able to find uh, any proof for, as mentioned, but I, I really suspect that even a Brahmin who's taken a Vesha's job uh, would not necessarily pass on that job to uh, his or her chil children, right? Because the point is that if we bring in the jati here, and which is much more heritage, so once you are identified by the jati as Brahmin, 
you could go to a Brahmin and say that, oh yeah, okay, I'm working like this, but my, my jati is this, so basically I'm a Brahmin, so can you teach my children? And they could actually eventually become Brahmins again, like by profession. Okay, okay, so we've got this, if you're a Brahmin, you've got a natural place at the top of the pile, and it might be that you, know, you slip down for a generation or two yeah. because of poverty to, to some lower position, but you're going you're gonna to slip back up again to yeah, your natural so there's, place. There's always this possibility of bouncing, bouncing back, which is, yeah. of course, not present for the lower castes. Um, what would you say then, Prakar? Um, h- how prevalent do you think it was that, that people from lower varnas took higher varna jobs? So we know, for example, there are some shudras who take uh, kshatriya jobs who actually become kings. Um, do you think that's a very rare thing? Do, you have, do we have a sense of how common that is in the ancient world? Uh, I would say, yeah, that uh, basically this is where the politics comes in. It's about the power struggle, and that might happen, that people from lower caste might be able to, you know, displace the king because of whatever power or monetary or whatever kind of dominance that they can show. Um, but what seems really weird is that they would rather associate their caste or so so they would associate their whatever lineage then as kshatriyas rather than trying to reject it right so instead of saying that see i'm shudra and i became a king they would just say i'm a kshatriya now right instead of trying to associate it back there they would just change shift their caste completely their vernas from the lower to the higher so yeah, there's it, this kind of there's rejection. No sense of, of, there's no yeah. sense of rejecting the system yeah, there. Yeah. There's only there's a, a, accept the system, but I'm changing my place in it. Yes, exactly. And that is actually true. I mean, people could come into dominance because of a lot of reasons. Uh, and they did. Um, and the point is that what it did was to give a kind of um, legitimacy to their lineage by which they could now be considered Kshatriyas if the society were able to accept them like that after they lost power for whatever reasons. So they were not rejecting the caste system. Instead, they were just trying to do the, get the benefits for themselves. So yeah, in, in that way, it's not that, it, it doesn't lead to a mobility necessary, necessarily. First of all, it might be just you know extended to a few generations. Secondly, if it's extended for a long time, it's, it's not leading to any kind of doubting of the caste system at all. Right, you're going to help one family out. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. What's the what's next on the list of what I got wrong? Um, so yeah, the the point about jatis and and uh, uh, again, I might have to argue without any evidence right now because I I well, I've got a mayor culpa, and that is that you you challenged me on this idea that uh, the jatis are supposed to have emerged according to some people from varnas intermarrying. And I, and I looked through my history books and trying to find the source on that, and I couldn't find it. I still think someone, that's a, that's a theory that someone had at one point. Um, I'm going to try and uh, find out what the source was and put it on the website. But at the moment, that's not, like, that's not the major view of where the Jati came from. But, yeah. but, but your, your, what's your view of where the, the Jati came from and how it's different from Varna, how it connects to Varna? Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll take, a, take a very topical example. And I'm taking this example for no other reason, just because it was in the news very recently. And I'm talking, of course, about people who might know about what has been happening in India, about the Patel agitation that they want to be included into the reservation system or the assertive uh, uh, action system for um, basically getting government jobs or um, getting into 
or good educational institutions where the government sponsored ones which have some seats reserved for uh, certain uh, costs right so um, quota system for costs yeah yeah so given that uh, the Patels and and I also came to know of it quite recently they claim that the Patels are basically people who are descendants of uh, the the children the two sons of Lord Ram that is love and Kush so they have two divisions Lavanya and uh, the second one I'm sorry it just slips my mind yeah. Lord Ram was the, um, the, the 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 star of the first great Hindu epic the Ramayana yeah you mentioned yeah. a few and, times and, in the podcast and an avatar of Vishnu mm. uh, so yeah so anyways given that that is what they claim to be so they should be uh, Kshatriya right because Ram was a king and of course they're his uh, sons were kings as well but they are currently in the in the state of gujarat where they generally belong to they are generally uh, associated with the works which are done by vesha so they are generally land land owners in the sense of that they they have very small lands which they irrigate themselves or with the help of um, the the farm farm helpers which are generally shudra right so the point is that how if they are Kshatriyas, how did they actually became Vaishyas, right? So the point is that Patel here is the Jati, right? Because what it is telling it, it is actually telling up something about their heredity, right? So that's what they are saying, that we come from this and this particular clan or something, whatever. Our descendant is this person, right? Yeah. And what they are doing right now is related to, like, basically the jobs that they might have taken at some point and then basically that was also passed on as a hereditary thing right so my father being let's say if i was a particular my father is a merchant so i'll just take over his business and i believe a naturalistic ex explanation of one that makes much more sem sense um, more like an occam's razor explanation is that at some point when these two things came together that you inherited your father's job so that for generations you had the same job the family had the same job and dividing the jobs according to the vernas a few jat the jatis got kind of you know associated with a certain verna naturally right. and and therefore it just continued like that and so, so the, the varna system was originally not as hereditary as the jati system no. the jati system so I, that, that, that's, that, I think that's definitely true that that in terms of in, in dog, endogamy the Jati system was much more strict. Um, mm. Marrying outside your Jati was a much bigger deal, yeah. even in ancient India, than marrying outside your Varna. And you think that the kind of Jatis were really the hereditary units and the, and, and the Varnas kind of just adopted this hereditary, to kind of slipped your Jati into yeah. one Varna or another? Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't argue with uh, Kit on the historical significance of it because uh, it's difficult to pinpoint where and when did it become so stringent. And I think... Kit's uh, research is quite spot on with that. Uh, during the Mauryan Empire, it doesn't seem that it played that big a role. Although that's extreme, like extremely debatable, right? Some people think there's basically no Varna and Jati in our period. Some people think it's all kind of really well established and, and, and clear. Yeah, one of, one of the sources which is cited as, you know, a law on these kind of things is Manusmriti, mm. which is basically, which which is said to be between the uh, 3rd century BC to the 2nd century AD that it came into being. But surprisingly, also it, it was the first 
book translated by the British from Sanskrit to English, right? That is very interesting. But the point is that a lot of historians have noted that it did not play that big a role. What, till does, it, the, what does it say? It, that, is the, that is actually the law, the book of laws, which actually decide, determines these kind of stringent conditions on what particular Varnas and Jatis do, right? It seems that it got really stratified at nearly the point when Manusmriti was written. But again, a lot of historians say that it wasn't so stringent, even like probably British, the British uh, rulers brought it back into the general public consciousness, which it might have been missing before that. But then again, there have been cases. So for example, the great poet Kabir or uh, Mirabai, right? They, they were rejecting caste system. And to be honest, Kabir and Mirabai, unlike, you know, the, the people who might, philosophers who think generally in a very theoretical way, were much more social workers who, who saw what was wrong with society and wanted to rectify it. So when they were, they were, they were talking about it. They were talking about how caste system is rudimentary, how basically we should reject it. That shows that there was the system. It might have, you know, change over time, but it was there because otherwise it's very unlikely that Kabir, Rahim and Mirabai were talking about this. Yeah, yeah, so that definitely middle ages is, is, is a huge deal. Yeah. I um, just, just want to talk about another, another couple of theories of, of how this emerged. So some people, some people think that Jati emerged out of the guild system and that the guild system started, um, started in the Mauryan era. So guilds, guilds are... Like a yeah. group of people working in the same profession together hmm. and they uh, normally elect or they have a leader who goes and, and works with the king uh, and, and they're often living on one kind of one city block yeah. and, and your children work in the same guild as you and the idea is that these guilds gave birth to the Jati systems although other people think that they're rival to the Jati system and it's all terribly confusing and then we have these sort of Marxist explanations explanations in terms of material economic reality that the economic reality necessitated the emergence of these systems hmm. um, and it's a completely different sort of explanation so why did why did the Jati system emerge according to, to this theory or something like it was a useful way of stratifying society and keeping uh, the people with the power on top um, and, and keeping the other people down and happy in their place and happy doing quite menial work yeah so so I think that before the Marxist ex explanation, the I think you should we should go to the Adam Smith explanation, and that is that division of labor certainly is is good in a in an economy or a society, right? So of course this division of labor has to be there. Um, the Marxist explanation comes in when it continues over generation and becomes a norm of the society in which basically what you're born with and your state your parent status determines who you are. And um, that, that is a bit troubling itself, even though I, I actually like Marx quite a lot uh, for certain things. Uh, especially, I, I, I think you can apply Marx's theory to the current environment in India in a better way than in, in the ancient environment. So what I don't understand about either the Adam Smith explanation hmm. that caste is there because we want a division of labor in society, or the Marxist explanation that this is some sort of material necessity. I don't understand why the castes would be endogamous, why you wouldn't be allowed to marry out of your caste, 
Right? We can have a division of labour, and my children can go and do a different sort of job than, than I can. There's no... I mean, how does Adam Smith or Marx explain the fact that these, these, these groups are endogamous? So it... Well, I what I would say that how Marx explains it might be that he he would say that it's keeping the skills and the money inside the family or inside the extended family, um, and that might be one of the reason for it. I don't actually think that might be the whole explanation. I just think that it became stratified at some point. There might have been movement from different caste to different caste based on the profession but then it became stratified with the with heredity because the point is for example if you if you are a king you will pass on the empire to your your son right so we'll try yeah or exactly. he'll or he'll kill you and take yeah, it from yeah, you which exactly. is, seems to be the so the typical or, route in magda or if you're a merchant who owns a shop you would pass it on to your son if you own a farmland you will pass it on to your son yeah uh, so in that way as soon as the whole angle of or, or dimension of heredity comes in uh, the stratification of the society naturally would come in okay and so, so it's just an additional feature we've got the adam smith splits us into different different jobs and then it's just a natural feature that i want my child to inherit my own exactly, job because yeah, it's a decent I, job okay I, I would believe that way also like for example brahmins could easily teach their sons uh, the, the vedas right and a person of who was shudra and so his son or daughter, it would be much more difficult to get them to uh, accessibility to someone who can teach them Vedas. And right. it just became yeah. stratified, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's about convenience for heredity. Understood. Understood. Have I got, is there, what else have I got wrong? Is there anything else on your list of the errors? No, majorly this, uh, though I think um, with the problem of slaves, which which we would actually disagree with quite a lot because we'll go into the Aryan invasion theory versus the uh, people being indigenous. I, I'm not going there. So that's you, why... You, that's can, why, you can go there. Yeah, I'm not going no, no, there. That, that's why we should leave that out. And maybe we'll have a discussion some other day because that is a very big debate that you know divides uh, historians just in the middle, right? That, I mean, that's no a case one, for another special episode yeah. not involving me. So, but, but, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, to... to to talk about what exactly the, was the status of the slaves, uh, we would have to con basically extrapolate from whatever theory we believe in. Because the Aryan invasion theory, just to go into it in a way, you know, shallow details, would say that basically these um, people from, from Europe, when they came in, they did displaced the indigenous people towards the southern side. And hence, a lot of things were born. So for example, the tribal people were born like that, who were basically driven away from civilization into the uh, wilderness. And slaves would be the people who were captured while they were trying to invade the lands. Um, but yeah, so we probably should not go into it. A lot of it is very hypothetical. But yeah, if you go for that theory, then basically it explains why slaves would have been treated very badly given that they were not uh, of the same race, whatever you want to call it. And probably they're out of the, yeah. the Varna system for that. Yeah, reason. exactly, yeah. Okay, so why don't we talk about, about um, how this ancient... How, how the debate about ancient history and caste in ancient history, how that matters for modern 
politics in India? Has it become a political football? Is it something that people just don't care about? Is it something people know lots about? And it's it's a very very big political issue and one that creates a lot of debate and basically that a lot of parties have come up which are which generally represent one or the other caste right uh, that, is that caste jati or is that caste varna is it like uh, a, we jati, have a, a vice party oh, jati. so we have like a, a um... basically no the point is that uh, the the kind of uh, ba- the the term dalit has been confused with a lot of different things so generally dalit is used in the popular imagination as anyone who belongs to or historically belong to the shudra caste right so right. there's a lot of parties which are basically who who are division of a very socialist thought and uh, are basically pro dalit and and they by which they mean pro yeah, shudra yeah pro shudra rather okay. than being just pro poor people well as you said dalit would explain in the ancient text so uh, so that is there i think the issue also comes up um with with a very uh weird kind of division by the british rulers as you had pointed out which i i think british people were really really into lexicography and they wanted everything to read like a dictionary of yeah, how the, the, things are obsessive neatness of mind yes, right exactly. it does a lot of damage and in the world neat, wanting everything I mean, to be neat and tidy it's it's surprising that they did that for a lot of things trying to divide into neat uh hierarchical structures yeah you only um, have to look at the straight lines uh, dividing countries in africa right yeah. to, to see so, the problems here so uh, but that fueled a kind of you know a reemergence of caste and and also i think they 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 is proved that there was a miniature renaissance in the in the indian um thought of the of hindu philosophy which didn't go far enough as it did for europe it it started and then with a few figureheads it just stopped people so they became the new spearhead of who who are we talking about when Vivekanan, are we talking vivekanand dayanand saraswati so so what time what period of history um, is this is this vivekanand uh, would be both of them would be in the um early 19th century okay so so, so they pretty, pretty recent then yeah yeah so they were basically in the in they were they were talking about um, going back to vedas right that and in that way it was it's reminder of renaissance right that you have to go back to the roots of and go back to the old texts and study them i think it stopped short of reinterpreting them or you know or rejecting them to some areas it it just became like we need to go back to vedas rather than anything else and, and that had an impact on what how people saw the ancient history or or how people how saw people caste tried, in modern india how people started justifying these kind of things right i mean because there are um mentions of these things in there but yeah i believe it's a very um shallow understanding of it right and it's very confusing given that we have already discussed their jatis there's varna there's even gotra there's but these guys were simplifying it and saying there's this thing called caste it's in the vedas yeah, go I, back and read them i'll 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 say something here uh for people who are listening in india 
it, this might be really dis- prepared to prepare to have some controversy. Uh, yes, because a lot of people regard uh, Vivekananda as a as a very influential thinker, and he was in his own right. Um, it the pr- problem is how revolutionary he was is is another question that uh, I would like to leave open for today. Once you come to that uh, that era, which would be which would take you some time. I've read a bit of his work. I thought it was very interesting, but I haven't haven't got deep into him yet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So with with these kind of revivals, it seems, and it it ha- it is actually still there. It has captured a popular imagination. Also, uh, the work of people who were trying to get rid of the caste system, um, in many ways, might have reinstated it to the extent it is today. I'm not saying it wasn't there. It definitely was. Uh, the way it is imbibed into Indian politics today seems to be a more recent phenomenon uh, and how much it controls the uh, what people can do in India. Currently, there have been a lot of attacks on what would be called Dalits now, right? And they, they, they have been gruesome. For, and for things like going to temples or having the ringtone which is dedicated to B.R. Ambedkar, who was, uh, who was the uh, father of instance, Indian constitution. He, he was very much pro-Dalit. He even came from a Dalit family. And from his experiences, he wanted to uh, make such a constitution that would provide the Dalits with the opportunity to um, rise up have economic and social uh, benefits that they have that they have been uh, reject they have never got for so many centuries, and he was the one who might have, who actually came up with the idea of reservation system. Though again, his idea was much more radical, which wasn't accepted by the other people in the constitu- constituent assembly. But yeah, so uh, one one guy, Dalit guy, who had uh, ringtone dedicated to him. Uh, he was asked by an upper caste person to change his ringtone. He did. He he said that I wouldn't, and he was beaten up. Uh, Damn. And similarly, a family went. A, a family belonging to a Dalit jati went to a temple, and and they were be- basically beaten up by by uh, the upper caste of the villages. And um, there have been even more gruesome cases. Uh, related to um, punishments of rape and um, basically, so anyways, not going into all of that, but they, it is there. It and is and there. it's tied tied to the history, so people are looking yes. back to the ancient history, saying this has always this has always been there. These are eternal concepts. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're looking back specifically for their own group, their their own jati or whatever. They're yes. tracing it back to Rama or, or yeah, whoever. exactly. I mean, they, these itself, the Patel thing might itself be a very modern construct. Right. Again, I it's I'm tr- really sorry. It's tricky it, to work out. Like, yes. clearly there is some ancient heritage here, but but clearly how important this stuff has been is and exactly what form it's taken has changed at least slightly. There's how people have seen caste has changed slightly over over time, and, and is is not yeah. maybe not now what it is what it was back then. The point is that the the um, sh- the the focus has shifted from Varnas to Jatis now. Yeah, and that is what has changed. Uh, over time, that instead of Vernas, Jatis have become more important. But at the same time, they're still confused. 
right? Yeah. So, okay. so still there's the not upward mobility for people of lower caste, which is there, right? Um, and as I was saying, they still can't become priest of any temple or in many places they can't even enter a temple. Yeah. So that is still there. These kind of restrictions are still there. Um, but yeah, and they're very political. Like currently there are elections going on in Bihar and this has suddenly become a very uh, major point uh, for the election. Okay. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Anything Thank to add? I'm going to read a bit of Kabir. Right, go ahead. So um, Prakar mentioned Kabir. Kabir is this, this, this great poet. When is Kabir born? Oh, crumbs. Quickly looking that up. Uh, Kabir is, is, is born in 1440. There you go. That's the wonders of the internet for you. Uh, and Kabir is a poet who's got this deep intimacy with God. Uh, he's got some, some great poems. Uh, and, he's, and he's definitely against the caste system. He doesn't think that that's a, that's a good thing in general. Um, here's a poem by Kabir. Do you want to read it? Uh, no, go ahead. Okay. It's, it's translated if it was in India. Tell me, brother, how can I renounce Maya? Maya is kind of illusion. Yeah, the, the worldly illusion. The worldly illusion. So tell me, brother, how can I renounce Maya? When I gave up the tying of ribbons, still I tied my garment about me. When I gave up tying my garment, still I covered my body in its folds. So when I gave up passion, I see that anger remains. And when I renounce anger, greed is with me still. And when greed is vanquished, pride and vainglory remain. When the mind is detached and casts my away, still it clings to the letter. Kabir says, listen to me, dear Sadhu, the true path is rarely found. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Prakar. Thanks for having me here. And it was really, really lovely to talk to you about all this stuff. Great. Likewise. So that was our chat with Prakar. A very knowledgeable man and one with some controversial views. Interesting stuff. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you're enjoying the podcasts, please consider donating to my wife's charity, that's the Sneha Situ Memorial Fund. Details are on the website. Thanks a lot. Take care.